You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. We will continue examining the fate of Banu Quraidah. We know that Banu Quraidah, the Jewish tribe who lived in Medina, conspired with the Ahzab and they were this close to completely destroying the religion of Islam, killing the Prophet and killing all Muslims had their plan succeeded. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala foiled their plot. In speaking about the fate of Banu Quraidah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed verse 26 of Surah Al-Ahzab. According to many exegetes of the Holy Quran, this verse was revealed about Banu Quraidah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states, وَأَنزَلَ الَّذِينَ ظَاهَرُوهُمْ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ مِنْ صَيَاصِيهِمْ And Allah brought down those who conspired with the Ahzab, those who supported the Ahzab. مِنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ They were from the people of the book, meaning the Jews of Bani Quraidah. مِنْ صَيَاصِيهِمْ From their fortress, from their forts or fortresses. وَقَذَفَ فِي قُلُوبِهُمُ الرُّعْبِ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cast fear in their hearts. فَرِيقًا تَقْتُلُونَ وَتَأْسِرُونَ فَرِيقًا You killed a group of them and you held as captive another group. Meaning Allah gave you, O Muslims, victory such that you killed some of these people and you held captive another group. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed you to inherit their lands and their properties after you know, they were exiled from there. Let's now examine the sequence of events here that happened. So they conspired with the Ahzab their plot was foiled. Initially when the Prophet came to confront them, they refused to surrender. They verbally abused the Prophet they showed no regret, no apology for the treason that they committed. Imam Ali comes and they knew who Imam Ali is and how he saved the Muslims from Amr ibn Abdiwud. So they realized this is serious, that's when they asked for Abu Lubaba. They wanted him to be the arbitrator. After Abu Lubaba, they asked for Sa'ad ibn Ma'ad to be the, arbit the arbitrator. So they told the Prophet and this is narrated by Ibn Hisham, by Shaykh al-Mufid, that they sent a message to the Prophet, we don't accept you as the arbitrator, we don't want you to pass the judgment, we want who to pass the judgment? Sa'ad ibn Ma'ad. Why Sa'ad ibn Ma'ad? Sa'ad ibn Ma'ad comes from the Aus tribe in Medina. He's from the Ansar. So he had this long history with the Jews of Bani Quraidah. They knew him very well. They had lived in Medina. He was a well-known tribal leader. Assalamu alaikum. And so they wanted him to be the arbitrator. The Prophet accepted. When the Prophet accepted, the Jews of Bani Quraidah opened their fortress or in fact Imam Ali came to open it. 
and the Imam entered the fortress with a special corps and he disarmed all of the Jews. Then he detained them and he put them in a house. We'll see what happened there. So the Jews, they accepted the arbitration of Sa'd ibn Mu'ad and they said that whatever he judges, he rules, will accept that fate. The Prophet accepted, he said, I leave the decision to Sa'd. If that's what you want, that's fine with me. And all those around the Prophet, they accepted. Now Sa'd ibn Mu'ad, when Bani Quraidha suggested him to be the arbitrator, he was wounded and he was being treated for his wounds. He was wounded at the Battle of Ahzab, if you remember. He, an arrow was shot at him, so he was suffering from that wound. He was in a tent and uh, that woman that we mentioned before, her name was either Rafida or Ka'iba or Zamida. She was treating his wound. Uh, she was uh, basically an expert in treating wounds, a good nurse. So they went to Sa'd by the Masjid of the Prophet and they told him that Banu Quraidha have suggested you to be the arbitrator. So they carried him and they brought him to the Prophet The Prophet told the Ansar, pay respect to your chief, Sa'd ibn Ma'ad is your chief. So stand up or pay, him, pay respect to him. So they, they stood up and they paid respect to Sa'd ibn Ma'ad. What is the decision that Sa'd passed? What's the sentence that he passed on the Jews? No. We'll see why. What did he? Kill who? Who of the Jews? Remember, uh, there, there were many Jews in that fort. There were hundreds of men, women, children. So hist historical reports indicate that Sa'd said all the men are killed and the women and the children are taken as captives, as slaves basically. And some historical accounts get even more detailed. He said all the males who have reached puberty and then he said check them to see if they've reached puberty, they shall be executed and those who are not, who have not reached puberty, they are taken as slaves. This was the sentence that Sa'd ibn Mu'adh passed and who asked for him to be the arbitrator who would pass the sentence? The Jews themselves. They did not accept the Prophet to be the arbitrator, they wanted Sa'd and this is the sentence that Sa'd ibn Mu'adh passed on them. Let's analyze the sentence of Sa'd ibn Mu'adh. Was it a cruel sentence? as many Orientals have stated even until today, they attacked the Prophet for the massacre of Bani Quraidha. How judicious was Sa'd in passing this judgment? By the way, before Sa'd issued this sentence, there was a lot of pressure on him from his tribe to forgive them. Some of them came to Sa'd, they told him, look, didn't the Jews of Banu Qaynaqa' commit treason and they broke the treaty with the Prophet? and the Aus tribe, they interceded for them. The Prophet exiled them. He didn't ask for any of them to be killed. Same with Banu Nadir. They almost tried to kill the Prophet in that famous incident. We've talked about it before, but the Prophet exiled them. So you also don't let them be killed and be captivated. Just exile them. Many of his tribesmen pressured him because they had ties with Banu Quraidha, business ties, economic ties. 
However, in reality, his tribesmen were asking Sa'd to put the interests of a few, Banu Quraidah, over the general interest of the Muslim community. Sa'd had the vision to reject that. He did not accept that. So here's why he passed the sentence. Number one, the Jews had a treaty with the Prophet. And they signed on the treaty that if we commit treason, you're allowed to have our men killed and have our women and children taken as captives. So Sa'd ibn Ma'ad, when he passed that sentence, he knew he was not doing anything unjust. He is simply going by the terms and conditions that the Jews had accepted. So he didn't feel that he was doing anything wrong. I'm simply going by what they agreed upon. They agreed on this, they signed on it. That's number one. Number two, yes. So did they propose themselves, right? They proposed, exactly. The Prophet, if you remember when we talked about the document of Medina, the Prophet told them, what happens if you guys break this? Or we break this, anyone. They said, according to our law, the men are killed and the women are taken as captives. They are the ones who propose this, not the Prophet. The Prophet said, okay, if that's what you want to put in the treaty, let's go with that. So Sa'd ibn Ma'ad was aware of that treaty and the terms and the agreements of that treaty. Therefore, he passed the sentence. He did not do anything unjust according to his understanding. Number two, what the Jews of Bani Quraidah did was serious, it was grave. They truly were this close to eradicating the religion of Islam. Because if they had succeeded that last day to conspire with the 10,000 strong soldiers of the Ahzab, and they would have made a surprise attack from the inside, and they would have imprisoned women and uh, children from the Muslim community, those 10,000 would have uh, come and found a way through Bani Quraidah, and that's it. The Muslim fighters were no more than 900 or 1,000. You have 10,000 from the outside, and you have the Jews of Bani Quraidah. It was a done deal. So Sa'd ibn Ma'ad realized that their crime was not something that he could just forgive. It was a serious crime. Number three, Sa'd ibn Ma'ad had seen those Jewish tribes that the Prophet pardoned. He saw what they did. Why did the battle of Ahzab take place? Who instigated it? Ka'b. And Ka'b came from those Jewish tribes that the Prophet exiled. See, they did not sit still. The Prophet exiled Banu Nadir, they went to Khaybar, and from Khaybar he came to Mecca, he mobilized the armies to come and kill the Prophet. Sa'ad knew these guys don't sit still. We exiled Banu Qaynaqa, we didn't kill them even though the terms, and, uh, the terms and conditions of the treaty stipulated that they get killed, but we didn't kill them. Banu Nadir, they committed treason, we didn't kill them. But what did they do? Were they thankful to the Prophet? No. They demonstrated that they would take, ev they, they would take advantage of every opportunity to kill Rasulullah and to kill the Muslims. Why should I forgive now Banu, Banu Qurayza? Why? They've set a negative precedent. He was being rational. He did not allow the emotions to take over him. Number four, Sa'd ibn Ma'ad, he was familiar with Jewish law. He had heard about the Torah because he had ties with the Jewish community. And in Deuteronomy chapter 20 verses 10 to 14, let's see what the Bible says. And I'll be reading uh, for you 
the translation uh, from the New International Version. Verses 10 to 14, Deuteronomy chapter 20, verses 10 to 14. This is Jewish law. It states, when you march up to attack a city, make its people an offer of peace. If they accept and open their gates, all the people in it shall be subject to forced labor and shall work for you. This is telling the Jews, go and make an offer of peace. When they do, go and force them into labor, trick them. If they refuse to make peace and they engage you in battle, exactly as Banu Quraidah did with the Prophet, lay siege to that city. When the Lord your God delivers it into your hand, put to the sword all the men in it. As for the woman, the children, the livestock and everything else in the city, you may take these as plunder for yourselves, meaning enslave them, take them as your property. And you may use the plunder the Lord your God gives you from your enemies. This is Jewish law. That if you made an agreement with, with uh, someone and they made a peace treaty with you, if you can't force them into labor, and if they fight you, kill the men, enslave the women and children. This is according to which book? The Bible, Deuteronomy, chapter 20, verses 10 to 14. Sa'd ibn Ma'ad was aware of Jewish law. So he did not feel he was doing anything wrong. They told him, you passed the sentence, we've committed treason, we're not asking for forgiveness, we show no signs of regret. In fact, they showed signs that they will still fight the Prophet. So this is what Sa'd did. So how do you feel about the death sentence that Sa'ad ibn Ma'ad gave over here? By the way, it's very interesting that Huyay ibn Akhtab, you know, the, the chief instigator of, all, of this entire battle, Huyay ibn Akhtab, he said to the Prophet after they had surrendered, he said to him, I don't regret fighting you and being your enemy. But now he was humiliated in chains. However, he whom Allah wishes to humiliate is humiliated. <laughs> in other words, he's saying, God has chosen to humiliate me, but don't think that I've surrendered really. I don't regret fighting you. What do, what do you do with people like that? Who commit treason and they don't even feel regretful. And then he turned to the people, the Jewish uh, tribe of Banu Quraidah, he told them, don't be anxious on account of the command of God. Don't let this humiliation and defeat make you anxious. Allah has finally destined suffering and humiliation for Bani Israel. This is the will of God, be patient. See how he rationalized it? So how do you feel about the death sentence that Sa'd ibn Mu'adh gave? Before we an analyze some critical details. Even by today's standards, was it just or no? in light of the four points that we mentioned. If, if you feel it's objectionable, let's, let's discuss it. I, I welcome that. How do you feel about it? Given all these points that we mentioned, it's the treaty that they signed. They proposed that. They committed treason. They almost eradicated the Muslim community. They showed no signs of regret. And on top of all of that, it's their Jewish law that they recognize. So how did the Prophet violate them? And they requested Sa'd ibn Mu'adh. They told the Prophet, we don't want you to be the arbitrator. Whatever Sa'd said, the Prophet said, okay. If that's what you want, fine. 
They put themselves in that situation. The Prophet never told Sa'd, pass this sentence. The Prophet told Sa'd, do whatever you want. Pass the, pass the sentence that you see fit. Because they're asking you to arbitrate, not me. So you do as you see. How did the Prophet violate them? How did the Prophet wrong them? Today you find Orientalists attacking the Prophet. He committed a massacre. How is this man not a man of violence and so on and so forth? What did the Prophet do wrong here? The first time and the second time he let them go, they came, they came back yeah. to fight him, exactly. So how could you leave, how, how could you forgive them the third time and exile them? You exile them, next month they'll come and they'll try to kill you. You can't do that as a responsible leader, you can't do that to your community. And this is the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So by all standards, by the standards of 7th century Arabia, by the standards of the Torah, by rational standards, the Prophet did not violate them in any way. 